the end zone, has a man open, touchdown, Justin Blackman. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Pokes. I'm your host, Colby Powell. Glad everyone is with me on this Tuesday. It feels weird being in here on a Tuesday, and the football season is over. So no Mike Gundy press conference, no Mike Gundy audio cut up on a Tuesday. It'll be a little different now uh, post-football season here on Locked On Pokes. But basketball is underway. Oklahoma State, Georgetown tomorrow. We've got Wichita State on Sunday. A lot of good stuff still going on. Reminder, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network in the country. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked On Pokes. Uh, send me all your thoughts, Oklahoma State, uh, Bedlam this past weekend, Oklahoma State basketball underway, whatever's on your mind, send it to me at Colby J. Powell at Locked On Pokes. And that's actually where I want to start today's show is on Twitter. So yesterday, uh, let me just do a quick recap for you. If, if you didn't listen yesterday, I went on a little bit of a rant because I saw a lot of reaction to Saturday's game against Oklahoma and a lot of it, uh, you know, obviously you lose the game. There's going to be some negative reaction. But a lot of people acting like Saturday's game was was the right time to give a state of the program and, and to indict Oklahoma State football as a program that they're unable to take the next step. Because, you know, when you lose to one of the four or five best teams in the country without two of your three best offensive players, that's a good time to take a state of the program. Um, so, so basically, very quick recap, my take was, if, if you think changes need to be made at Oklahoma State for, for a variety of reasons, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to listen. I think that there are arguments to be made as to why a change could be beneficial. I, I would likely disagree, but I think that you could make some decent arguments as to why a change might be a good thing. But if one of those arguments is, well, OSU can't beat OU, now I'm not willing to listen because... Nobody can beat OU. I mean, OSU can't, but neither can West Virginia or Texas Tech or TCU or Baylor or Texas or Kansas or Kansas State or Iowa State. Nobody can beat OU. So if that's your reasoning, then I'm not really willing to listen to your argument for too long. So anyway, I want to go to Twitter because I asked you all for your thoughts, and I got a lot of them. Uh, some, some agreeing, some disagreeing. So we'll just start. First one, Joe Smith on Twitter hit me up and said 100% agree with every word you said. And then he said, although we should be able to beat OU occasionally. I agree. Oklahoma State should beat OU occasionally. And, and again, I said this to somebody on Twitter yesterday. This year's game was not the problem. The Blake Bell year was the problem. That, I mean, that's the problem, was the Blake Bell year. Not this year. Not this year. I mean, even if you're mad about the Rudolph era, uh, you know, Rudolph wins as a freshman – and then loses three in a row. Well, one of those, he was hurt. So he, he lost the other two. I mean, Oklahoma State was competitive in those games. Oklahoma State didn't get run off the field. Oh, you made one more play at the end. You're playing against one of the four best teams in the country. That's just how it goes sometimes. Uh, Winnie Watkins said, great minds think alike, enjoyed the pod. And then he posted a screenshot of his post on Facebook, which basically said, uh, you know, Oklahoma State's just getting started, not going away anytime soon. 
Um, and, and he acknowledged, you know, there that two and thirteen in Bedlam is terrible. It could easily be five and ten or six and nine if certain things broke differently. Sure, it could. Um, it could also. I hate to be the guy to point this out. It could also be one and fourteen if Bob Stoops hadn't elected to punt a second time. So uh, it goes both ways. Uh, let's see here. Um, Ryan the Great on Twitter. <clears throat> says, I agree with a lot of what you said and disagree with some about Gundy. I'm at a point I want someone else. Granted, I'm not sure who. While he is a good coach, I feel like the 6-8 to eight win threshold with occasional 9-10 to 10 win season could be obtained by a lot of coaches with the current state of the facilities and resources available compared to when he took over the job. So the, the argument about facilities, you know, Oklahoma State has these great facilities, should be able to recruit better, should be able to win more. I, I think when Oklahoma State built its new facilities a decade plus ago, uh, you know, 12, 13 years ago, whatever it was, Oklahoma State at that time was was ahead of the game and had some of the best facilities in the country. I, I believe that. Now, I, and I actually looked yesterday, I, I Googled, I said 2019 college football facilities ranked. And first thing that pops up was a list of top 20 that 247 Sports did. Oklahoma State wasn't in the top 20. So, so here's my problem with that is that, y- you know, a lot, of, uh, a lot of schools have every bit of what Oklahoma State has, if not more. The, the facilities advantage is, I, I think, much more of a perception than a reality. I, I mean, I think Tennessee was number five on their list. I think South Carolina was number seven on their list. These schools out in the SEC who are spending tons and tons and tons of money on their facilities and have these world-class facilities. And y- you know what? Go ask Tennessee what they think about the success they've had lately with their great facilities. Go ask South Carolina how well their football program has performed with all the money they dumped into their facilities. I don't think facilities guarantee you winning because in modern college football, having great facilities, it doesn't give you an advantage. All it does, You're just keeping up with the Joneses. Everybody has great facilities. Everybody. Now, sure, you're, you're going to have better facilities than Kansas. I'm sure you have better facilities than Texas Tech and West Virginia. But there are probably 30, 40 other Power 5 schools who have facilities at least on par, if not better, than Oklahoma State's. So, you know, you think you have this big advantage with facilities, you're just kind of keeping up with the Joneses as far as facilities go. A recruit comes into your place and then goes to Tennessee and South Carolina and Oregon and OU and Texas, there's not going to be a a remarkable difference in any of those. It's just, you you know, places like Texas, OU, and Oregon even are going to have better facilities. Clemson's facilities are insane absolutely ridiculous make make what Oklahoma State has look like a high school football field I, I mean I, I'm telling you the facilities that's more of a perception than a reality I think whenever you look at what exists across the country uh, now now here's the argument Ryan made that I can buy a little bit he said also I'm at a point the fact he won't go out and try to get a coordinator that has experience at the D1 power five level and then trusting them to run a system he says I know Sanders and Wallace injuries were huge uh, this year, but I don't think it hurt us all that much against OU. The play calling seemed to change in a big way in the second half, uh, and basically he's saying he wanted to be more aggressive and take more chances. Uh, I don't think Oklahoma State's offense had the ability to take more chances and make big plays against Oklahoma because I don't think that uh, Drew Brown, Dylan Stoner, Braden Johnson, and Jordan McRae, you know, at, as 
great of an effort as those guys were given, those guys just do not have the ability to be explosive on the level that Spencer Sanders and Tylen Wallace are. So I, uh, I don't think the play calling in Bedlam was the problem. If you want to go look at Texas Tech, and if you want to blame the play calling at Texas Tech, putting Spencer Sanders in positions to fail, same thing against Baylor. You remember earlier this season, what was the theme? Anybody remember the theme? Run, run, pass, punt. Run, run, pass, punt. Putting your quarterback in a situation. Pardon me. Putting your quarterback in a situation to fail on third down and long. Not allowing Chuba Hubbard to have some of his bigger days against Texas Tech and against Baylor. Run, run, pass, punt. That's whenever I think you can go back and look. But I, I totally buy the idea that uh, Mike Gundy going out and trying to reach into these little bitty schools to find these gifted offensive minds, I, I'm totally in agreement with you that Mike Gundy needs to go out. And at Oklahoma State, you need to hire the best offensive coordinator candidate in the country every year. If that guy leaves to go be a head coach, you know what? That means your offense was elite. You don't get hired to be a head coach if you run an average offense. Ain't nobody knocking down the door to come get Sean Gleason. Oklahoma State, and I need to look this up. I actually meant to look it up before yesterday's show, and then I, I got on and wanted to talk about other stuff. I need to look up and see when was the last time Oklahoma State went an entire regular season without a 300-yard passing game. Oklahoma State didn't have one this year, unless I'm mistaken. I'll go back and look. I'm almost positive. I'm 99% certain Oklahoma State did not have a 300-yard passing game this season, which is unheard of in modern college football. So nobody's beating down the door to come get Sean Gleason. It's just not happening. Not how it works. Go get yourself an elite coordinator, and if somebody wants to hire him away, then somebody wants to hire him away because your offense was one of the best in the country. All right, I need to take a break. Reminder, go get yourself some DoorDash. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve. Have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. That's all caps, one word, Locked On. If you're listening on the go and you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. All right, taking a break. We'll keep this thing rolling on the other side. Stay with me here on Locked On Pokes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Pokes. I'm your host, Colby Powell. Glad you're with me on this Tuesday. You can find me on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked On Pokes. I would appreciate a follow. I would also also appreciate if you would take two minutes, rate and subscribe this podcast wherever you're listening. Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. Take two seconds, click that fifth star, and uh, drop a little message in there. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. All right, uh, continuing where we left off, talking about Oklahoma State, Bedlam, uh, Gundy's inability to win Bedlam, how big a deal is it, uh, what else could potentially be wrong with the Oklahoma State football program? Where is, is there opportunity to improve and to get better? So um, I, I'm curious. I, I think that this is sarcasm from Robert W underscore OK State uh, on Twitter. He Because he puts like little kind of screaming faces at the end here, little emojis. He says, fire Gundy and hire back Bob Simmons. Three and three in six years. Oh, okay, fair enough. Bob Simmons won more Bedlams in six years than Mike Gundy has won now in 15, 16. Is it 2 and 13 or 2 and 14? 
I can't even remember. It doesn't even matter. Uh, Bob Simmons, in his time at Oklahoma State, did beat OU three times. Bob Simmons also went 30-38 and 38 as a head coach at Oklahoma State, 16-31 and 31 in conference. And it's important to, to note who um, – who he's had to coach against, who Bob Simmons was coaching against, and who Mike Gundy has had to coach against. So Bob Simmons, four of his six years overlapped with Howard Schnellenberger and John Blake, what we all know as the worst era in the history of Oklahoma football. I'm scrolling through here. Yes, it is the single worst era at no point in Oklahoma's history. Uh, Okay, there were two seasons, 1964 and 1965, where OU won 45% of its games. still 10 more than John Blake won in his three years. John Blake was there 96-98, to 98, won 35% of his games. Howard Schnellenberger in his one season, 1995, won 50% of his games. So, it is important to note that Mike Gundy has coached against Bob Stoops and Lincoln Riley. Bob Stoops, who won 79.8% of his games, and Lincoln Riley, who has now won uh, 85.7% of his games. Lincoln Riley's 24-4 and four as a head coach. Uh, and keep in mind, most of those losses are to the big dogs. He, he doesn't lose to, uh, y- you know, too many of the smaller teams. Sure, maybe one a season. Iowa State a couple years ago. Uh, Kansas State this year. Last year, the only one was Texas. So uh, I, I think some, some context there is certainly important. And I think he was being sarcastic anyway. But context is important as to why Bob Simmons was able to win three and Mike Gundy has only won two. Uh, 12-time champs at Sooner Keith won. That's right. We had a Sooner fan tweeting yesterday. Said I'm a Sooner fan, and while that might take, and while that might make my take biased, and then in parentheses because it is, this was an incredible podcast. Thank you, I appreciate it. Um, anything else here? Harry Taylor, longtime listener uh, on the franchise, uh, loved hearing from Harry on the franchise drive. He said, I'm happy to see you found a new home. I admit, I listen because I want to hear how OSU is doing. Uh, And you're the man. Good rant. And yes, I might be a homer, but I agree. No one's beating OU on a consistent basis. We only lose one roadie every four to five years. That's, I mean, that pretty much sums it up. And then Gary Short, last one here. Uh, Gary had, had a good take about the money. Gary says, great take. Unfortunately, college football is about money, especially TV revenue, non-Blue Bloods, don't get a chance because they won't deliver non-team TV viewers, which means less advertising dollars. Prime example is Ohio State over Baylor TCU in 2014. Ohio State was good and won the national championship, but Baylor or TCU deserved a shot. Ohio State was just a sexier matchup that would deliver better TV ratings. No shot at becoming top-tier program because TV money and ratings, not there. This, this kind of goes back to a little bit of what I talked about yesterday uh, about how if you're not in the club – it's almost impossible to get in the club. Baylor and TCU in 2014. Uh, I, I didn't think that Baylor should have been in, but I thought that TCU should have been in. TCU was, I believe they were at three in the next to last college football blanket college football playoff rankings. I think I'm remembering that right. I think they were at three and then they beat Iowa State like 56 to three the last week of the season and they fall to six. And Ohio State gets matched up with Alabama in the first round. And I talked about this yesterday. Helmet logo matters. That's why the playoff needs to go to eight. Because sure, it'll still matter. You'll still still get Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson, and Alabama in. 
but it'll leave more spots for non-helmet logos to get in as well, which is where you could see a one-loss TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma State. The year that everything goes right, because really, that's what it is. For all the non-blue bloods, you just have to absolutely maximize your success the one year everything goes right. We saw it happen for TCU the year Trayvon Boykin was there. Uh, We saw it happen for Oklahoma State the year Brandon Whedon was there. This year, it's happened uh, for Baylor. They've won a lot of close games, nail biters. They've had some things go their way, and uh, they're still they still don't have a chance to make the playoffs. I mean, the, the the amount of dominoes that would still have to fall for Baylor to make the playoffs, it's just it's almost insurmountable. Um, so yes, I do think that TCU deserved in that year. But guess what? We got we got Ohio State and Alabama in the playoff because they want Ohio State and Alabama in the playoff. You know why? They are in the club. The club is exclusive. You can't just buy a ticket to the club. The only school, the only one that's really been able to crack the code and get in the club who hasn't been in it for 70 years is Clemson. They're the only ones. And look how much money they're putting into it, man. Look how much money they're putting into it. You you want to see facilities. Google Clemson's facilities. Seriously. If you haven't gotten online and taken the virtual tour of Clemson's facilities, do it. Do it. It's impressive, the amount of money they've dumped into it. They're paying Dabo North of $9 million a year. They're paying their assistants. I mean, how much is Brent Venables making a year? It's got to be close to $2 million now as an assistant. Let's Google Brent Venables' salary, see what pops up. $2 million. $2 million for a defensive coordinator. How do you compete with that? How do you compete with, with a, a school that puts out that much Jim Knowles' base salary this year, pardon me, let's see, uh, in his first two seasons, he made a total of $600,000 in his first two seasons. Venable's making $2 million a year. Let's see, I don't even know if I can pop this up that this quick. Clemson recruiting budget, I don't even know if, uh, oh my gosh, Clemson spent nearly $3 million on recruiting last year. Nearly $3 million on recruiting alone. That's how you get in the club if you're not in. That's how you get in. Oklahoma State, on the other hand, has the lowest recruiting budget in the conference. During the 2018 fiscal year, OSU's football recruiting budget was $715,492. You're not in the club and you want to break in? Clemson broke in because they're spending $3 million a year on recruiting. Because they went out and spent, I don't know, a couple hundred million on their facilities. They're spending $2 million on their defensive coordinator. They're spending $9 million on their head coach. Money is growing on trees in Clemson, South Carolina. And they're spending it all on the football program. You don't have the money to get in the club. That's the only way you get in if you're not already in. Other schools in the Big 12. OU spent $1.2 million on recruiting in 2018. They're already in the club, so they can do well enough spending $1.2 million to get good enough players to stay in the club. Texas, $1.8 million. Texas spent $1.8 million, $1.1 million more than Oklahoma State spent. And they got better-rated recruits. And what's happened every year for a decade? Oklahoma State's been better than Texas. I'm telling you, unless you're willing to dump $9 million on your head coach, uh, I mean, Venables was just the D.C. for $2 million. They're probably spending another... Five, six, seven, eight million on on assistance. So you probably got seventeen or eighteen million wrapped up in coaches. Three million dollar annual recruiting budget. 
couple hundred million in facilities to make damn sure you've got the best ones in the country. That's the only way you can go from not being in the club to being in the club. So, so unless the money's growing on trees, unless Boone dumped another, you know, half a billion dollars into the program that I'm unaware of, that's how you get in the club. That's how you do it. I, I know everybody wants better recruits. I know everybody wants to bring in the elite level talent that, that Clemson's bringing in. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you afford to do it. Anyway, all right, that's enough on that. Let's take a break, come back on the other side. Uh, I want to talk about tonight's college football playoff release. Will Oklahoma State remain in the top 25? How will it shake out for the Big 12? How far will Alabama fall? Or will a quality loss on the road to Auburn move them up into the top four? Uh, I'll talk about all that coming up next here on Locked On Pokes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. Wrapping things up here on Locked on Pokes. I'm your host, Colby Powell. Thank you for listening once again today to another edition of Locked on Pokes. Subscribe and rate this podcast and hit me up on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes. Uh, whatever your thoughts may be, Oklahoma State or otherwise, you uh, you want to talk gambling? I'm a gambling guy. Hit me up on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes. And, uh, and we will chat about whatever is on your mind. Let me know what you think about the college football playoff rankings tonight. Even, look, obviously Oklahoma State's not making the college football playoff, but I am enthralled by what happens if LSU beats Georgia and Utah and OU both win this Saturday. So, so Utah and OU are now both 11-1. and one. Oklahoma, of course, this past week was able to get themselves another top 25 win by beating Oklahoma State. We'll see if Oklahoma State remains in the top 25 this week. Oklahoma State was at 21. Wasn't a real impressive showing this past week against, uh, against Oklahoma, so we'll see if Oklahoma State stays in the top 25. Uh, Utah's one loss to South Car- uh, Southern California, pardon me, USC, uh, will remain a top 25 loss. Uh, USC was 22nd, one spot behind Oklahoma State. Going into this past week, uh, they finished their season by beating UCLA, so they will not drop out of the top 25. Um, so Alabama was at five. Alabama lost to Auburn, so you would assume that that would drop them down past at least Baylor. Minnesota also lost, so that would have to drop them past Baylor. So I am assuming that the top four will remain unchanged. unchanged. I'm assuming the top four will be Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, and Georgia. That just makes the most sense. Uh, Okay, so then at five is where it gets interesting. Is it Utah at five or is it OU at five? I think it will be Utah at five. I don't think OU will jump Utah just yet. Uh, and, And here's why. Utah has not played the toughest schedule, but Utah has also not played any competitive football games aside from the one loss. Okay, close one with Washington. Take that back. Close game with Washington at Washington. They lost at USC 30-23 to earlier in the season. Other than that, this is their margin of victory this year. 18, 18, 31, 25, 45, 18, 35, 46, 28, 30. I mean, Utah is dominating people, and this committee has talked about game control being important. So I think that Utah will remain ahead of OU at number five this week, and OU will be slotted in at number six. Now, I think Baylor will be slotted in at number seven. I think they'll jump Alabama and Minnesota, who both lost, which means – 
Oklahoma will have a chance to get a bigger win than Utah will, but not a drastically bigger win because Oregon is going to jump Michigan, who lost. Oregon is going to jump Minnesota, I would guess, who lost to Wisconsin this past week. Does Oregon jump Alabama? Maybe. I think if Oregon jumps Alabama, then maybe there is uh, some thought that the committee may be trying to bump Oregon up to make Utah's win even stronger. So I think Oregon will be at at least 12, maybe at 11, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, And they'll be facing off against Utah this week. And OU will have a 6-7 matchup against Baylor. But if Utah and OU both win, then we're going to find out Does helmet logo matter as much as we all think it does? Because Utah has dominated everyone on their schedule, save the one week that they went out and lost on the road to a top 25 USC team. Oklahoma has not dominated every week. Oklahoma, for four weeks in a row, tried to lose football games. They only managed to lose one, and they lost it to an unranked Kansas State team who will remain unranked uh, because they're they're not a great team. Um, So we'll see. We'll see how much the helmet logo matters. Tweet me, tell me, do you think if OU and Utah both win this week and LSU beats Georgia, who do you think should be in, Utah or Oklahoma? And who do you think will be in? I think it should be Utah. I think it will be OU because I think as we've talked about and as the committee's proven over the past five years, helmet logo matters. Helmet logo matters. I mean, you put Ohio, uh, you put Oklahoma in at four and now you get – Oklahoma, Ohio State in round one, Jalen Hurts v. Justin Fields. You get that going in round one, boy, you talk about getting some eyeballs to the TV. Oh, what about if you throw Utah in there against Ohio State? Oh, what a treat that would be to have Tyler Huntley versus Justin Fields. Tyler what now? Who? Zach Moss. Let's get Zach Moss in the big matchup against Ohio State. Brant Kuth. Kyth. I don't even know what his name is. Leading receiver last week against Colorado for for Utah. I don't even know who these guys are. I'm telling you, if it comes down to Utah and OU, OU's getting in because OU has the helmet logo and OU will get the eyeballs to the TV. Uh, Now, I I think if I were to rank teams that have a chance to actually win the national title in order, I would go Ohio State has the best chance. I think Clemson has the second best chance. And then I would go LSU-Georgia. That, that would be my four teams that I think have a chance to win the national championship in that order. Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, Georgia. I know a lot of people have LSU over Clemson. Uh, I think those two teams probably going to meet in the first round of the college football playoff. I think Clemson probably beats LSU. I think LSU is pretty vulnerable defensively, uh, and I think Clemson will be able to take advantage of that while slowing Joe Burrow down enough to win that game. And actually, if you look in Vegas right now, Ohio State has the best odds to win the college uh, football playoff at one and a half to one, and then Clemson's at two to one, LSU's at two and a half to one. So you're actually getting uh, better value on an LSU bet than you are on a Clemson bet because Vegas knows Clemson is the real deal. All right, glad everyone was with me today. Appreciate all the interaction I got on Twitter yesterday with my conversation about Bedlam and about Oklahoma State. If you have any more thoughts, send them my way at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes. All right, tomorrow is Wednesday. Usually on Wednesdays, we go inside the numbers for that Saturday's matchup. Tomorrow, we'll take a deep look at Oklahoma State basketball, Yorane and the crew taking on Georgetown in Stillwater. That's tomorrow on Locked on Pokes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. <laughs>